This is Kevin Lavelle, and you're listening to Founders 15. You know what the world needs? Another business podcast. Well, actually, maybe it does. See, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, many of which were truly great. I learned a lot and had takeaways that changed my business or personal life. But I often noticed there was no commonality between the interviews as they were wide-ranging, so it was harder to tease out themes between them. I launched Mizzen and Main to bring advanced performance fabrics to traditional menswear. So just like deciding the world needed a better dress shirt when everyone said it was crazy, I decided to launch Founders 15. Founders 15 is a unique new discussion experience distinct in three specific ways. The conversations will be founder to founder, eliciting an enlightening back and forth of two people with an overlap rarely found in other interviews. In my position as founder of Mizzen and Main, I've gotten to have extraordinary conversations with other founders, and I know that there are takeaways that a lot of people would benefit from. So episodes will also feature the same 15 main questions in each podcast, helping bring a continuity to these discussions with appropriate probing on key themes as they develop throughout the interview. Perhaps most distinctively, I'm focused primarily on founders building something right now, and not just the billion dollar unicorns that get the headlines every day. These interviews feature real people building real businesses today. Business titans from years ago offer much to learn from, but my focus is on those in the heart of their journey to build something great. To keep things particularly interesting, I'll also be interviewing a few well-known athletes and coaches, founders in their own right, to gain additional insight and inspiration as to what it takes to achieve greatness. Would love to hear any feedback anytime. I'm on Twitter at Kevin S. Lavelle, and I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I've enjoyed having them. While Alex Icon is well-known to many, his products are even more so. This was a fun conversation because it wasn't just about one business. He and his wife started Luxie Hair, a business that is doing very well and helps fuel their pretty unique and remarkable lifestyle as they live in London so they can travel all over with their daughter. Alex and his wife Mimi are both celebrities as entrepreneurs, given their massive online following, while not actually being celebrities. Alex describes their choice to broadcast so much of their life as people who live with the curtains open rather than the curtains drawn, and it's made their life that much better for it. I have been a happy customer of Alex's for a long time without knowing of him directly. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see me post a few times a week, though not every day like Alex, on Instagram stories of my productivity planner, something I highly recommend for everyone and get at least a few requests a week for what planner I use. I also used the five-minute journal every single day for all of 2017 to help train gratitude to be an automatic. It had a profound effect on my life and happiness. Say hello to Alex on one of his many social media platforms and follow along on his journey at Alex Icon on Instagram, and that's Alex I-K-O-N-N. Alex, good afternoon to you. It's morning here in the U.S. Um, so what's happening in the future? Because you're a couple hours ahead of us. Have you figured it all out? <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you for having me here, uh, Kevin. Uh, it is beautiful here in the future. It is actually uh, a beautiful, sunny day here in October in London, which is unreal. It's uh, about you know 21 plus degrees Celsius, which I guess in Fahrenheit would be high 60s. 
almost 70. So uh, really great weather. So I'm just delighted uh, to be on and uh, chat with you because I've been listening to your podcast as well. Thanks. And, and uh, as, as mentioned in the intro, I am um, a big fan of yours, a customer of your products, um, of, of the Productivity Planner and 5-Minute Journal, not Luxie Hair per se. <laughs> um, and they've made, made yeah, a huge I impact. I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know this. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 just, just the productivity for me. Um, but uh, they've made a big yeah. impact on me. I've, I've been spreading the gospel of, of five minute journal and productivity planner for a long time. So really excited to, to chat a little bit and, and knowing that you do have quite a bit that makes, makes you, you, um, and you share so much of it, um, so much of your life, uh, on social media, which is so much fun to follow and see the amazing family that you guys have and and the great journey that you're on. Uh, Can you give a little bit of context about your, your background and kind of what makes, uh, what makes you tick professionally and more importantly, and I think that's what unites you and I quite a bit is, uh, what makes you tick personally? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, thank you so much, uh, for the kind words and for being here once again. Um, I think so for those listening who may not know, um, I'm the creator of the, the five minute journal and the productivity planner and the company uh, called intelligent change. That was a, I would say a passion later business that we started. Uh, our original business that really, uh, I guess kicked off our entrepreneurship was really a business called Luxie Hair. And Luxie Hair is a direct consumer hair extension brand, uh, that we started. And we were one of the first direct consumer brands in that category, uh, when we launched in about 2010. And, uh, I guess the special thing about that business was really that we, grew it and scaled it entirely through social media, um, through YouTube, um, and before Instagram was there. And then when Instagram came live, that was also an important channel. Uh, but it was really, I would say, uh, uh, one of the early successes of how a business can be really, uh, launched and scaled through YouTube. Um, so that was kind of what we did there. And yeah, so intelligent change is the company I co-founded with. Uh, one of my friends, uh, his name is UJ, and uh, I guess both of these business, uh, and this is what I guess connects us as well, we're, we're really inspired by uh, the work of Tim Ferriss and his book, The 4-Hour Workweek. Um, and that really happened, uh, I think that book was really monumental in my entrepreneurship because it really kind of drew a different path of what entrepreneurship can be. Um, and because I think growing up, you think, okay, if I'm going to be in business, it's this whole different mindset of what business is going to be. And I, I think when we were creating, especially our first business, which is Luxie Hair, it really came from that idea of lifestyle design. So we weren't really focused on how do we make the most money. Um, our initial draw to creating a business was how do we actually create a lifestyle that allows us to have freedom? Because ultimately, I think your values is what really drives you to create or even do things in your life. And for both my wife and I, our ultimate value in life is really freedom. I think it is for so many entrepreneurs. That's why they're willing to take that risk of getting off, you know, that crack, that weekly paycheck or that biweekly paycheck um, to be able to go out on their own and to do it because it is a very big, um, kind of leap to, to do. And so for us, it was really that idea of you can really design your life around that idea of freedom and how do you achieve that freedom. And so Luxie Hair was definitely that first business that allowed us to do that. 
And um, you guys are in London, uh, but you have a couple of these businesses that you run. How are you kind of set up and how do you manage um, living living overseas from kind of um, home base, let's say, of the businesses? Yeah, that is a very interesting setup. So uh, thank you for asking. I think it goes uh, along with saying continuing that lifestyle design. We were living and we, uh, we started our businesses both in Toronto, Canada, which I believe is an incredible uh, city and community and amazing talent there. And uh, I, I, I think my wife and I, we really wanted to be able to explore and have adventures. And what we discovered for ourselves earlier on in, in business was that because we did the four-hour work week, we actually did the four-hour work week, meaning we literally work sometimes only four hours a week um, with the first business luxury here. And uh, one chapter that we missed in the, in the four-hour work week was the chapter of filling the void. So the thing I think a lot of people that really try to create a lifestyle business, what they don't understand, like myself and my, me and my wife at that time, is that just because you're creating a lifestyle where you no longer need to work, uh, you still need to fill that void with something. And we quickly discovered in, the, in our first uh, kind of few years of business that uh, it's pretty depressing not to work when all your other friends and family are working and you're just maybe even traveling the world or whatever, but it's, it's not that exciting as it actually seems. So we understood that we need to have this balance of where can we base ourselves where we can still have that balance of having maybe, you know, a nine to five or whatever it may be, uh, and work Monday to Friday or Thursday, whatever, but we can still take off for the weekend and, and go to Italy uh, on Friday and come back Sunday because we believe that, you know, having a routine is very important because I, like I said before, we had that whole idea when you're young, you're like, you know, screw the nine to five. I don't want to be corporate, all that stuff. And what you quickly learn is that uh, there's, there is a structure to the madness. There, there's a certain reason why this structure works, why it is important to have a routine, why it is important not to work all the time or, or work at odd hours and kind of separate some of those things. So we kind of actually uh, reversed it and went back to be more, I guess, well, it wasn't really nine to five, but let's say nine to seven, nine to eight, whatever it may be. <laughs> uh, because we, we, underst- we understood that we actually really enjoyed working and not just uh, having time off all the time. However, we still wanted that flexibility yeah. to be able to, like I said, take off to Spain, to France, because it's so convenient living here in London. I think overall London is a great city for a global perspective. You can be in New York fairly quickly. You're, you can be connected with Asia, uh, East Coast, even West Coast. Um, so it's a great place. So that was the kind of our thinking behind it. And then the whole idea of separating businesses and not having them here while we're there um, was really, I guess it was, a, it was, it was something of a challenge as we were doing our tax planning, our tax planner said, Hey, you know what, if you don't know, but there's this idea that you can, uh, if you can set up your businesses in a way where you don't directly manage them, you have some like, other leaders in place to manage them and make those decisions. You can take advantage of certain, uh, kind of, uh, tax things that are open to certain people like Canadians. It's not open to us. Because as a U.S. citizen, you are taxed for life everywhere around the world, no matter where you go. 
Uh, but if you're a Canadian or in other places, there are certain things that you can do. So in a way, it was a, it was a choice we made, and it was actually a very important choice because I would say it allowed us to accelerate as actually to become entrepreneurs. And what I mean by that is, you know, a, a lot of people confuse the idea of, you know, a lot of people call themselves entrepreneurs now, but I would say I only became really an entrepreneur once I had that challenge of uh, having to create an organization where I no longer was in charge of the business and where I had to actually delegate and, and put in people in place that will run the business uh, for us without us being there. Uh, so it is quite, uh, it was challenging, but yet very important experience because I think in order for us as entrepreneurs to really become entrepreneurs, we have to take that journey to sometimes to delegate and to not be the bottleneck in our businesses to think like we're the only ones that are really important here because all the great entrepreneurs that I was able to really connect with and be inspired by the reason they were able to really grow was because um, they, they were able to do that leap where it was no longer what I call self-employment because if you're working for yourself and you're the only person that can make decisions, you're self-employed and your boss is yourself. Uh, and it's probably, some people say that you're that's probably the worst boss to have. So uh, with, with that, that's kind of uh, the journey, how it all really began. And like I said, um, it was an interesting one for sure. Yeah, I think coming back to your comment around Tim and how it, you know, you only worked actually four hours. Tim kind of jokes that was probably the biggest misconception is very few people will, will ever actually work four hours. It's more about kind of structuring your life. And then he talked about, um, he talked about this with uh, Jocko Willink on his podcast because Jocko's big thing is discipline equals freedom. It isn't about not working or just having nothing but free time. It's about architecting your life with how you want to live it. And for most people, it's not going to be a fulfilled life if there's no work. Um, but it's about not letting work control you and working how you want to work. Um, and that could be, as you said, kind of making sure that you can consistently travel or that you can spend the time with your family that you want to, or because of what you're building, that you can go all in in an effective way rather than um, kind of being controlled by somebody else's schedule. I totally, I, I totally agree with that. So um, knowing, uh, getting a little bit more perspective on you guys, I, I'm curious to hear, um, we've, we've talked a little bit about this directly in the past, but share a little bit about, you had the idea for a couple of these businesses and, and you can kind of hit the highlights of what you'd like to, but you, you go from idea to prototype to we're going to launch. What were some of the key things that happened in between there and not, we'll get to, you know, some of the, some of the tipping points after you launch later, but what were things that happened along the way that either you did or feedback that you received to help you move between some of those critical points to actually launch these businesses? Yeah, I would say in order to, I think, be helpful to especially maybe aspiring or uh, entrepreneurs listening as well, I think that biggest leap really does come in those early stages. And I think those are the most important parts of the business that so many entrepreneurs really forget about. You know, it's really funny whenever I, uh, try to speak to a lot of entrepreneurs about those early stages, they kind of like forget kind of like when people have 
uh, children and just forget about those really difficult uh, first you know, m- months, days, uh, years. And one, once they get successful, it's like, yeah, it kind of just happened. Uh, so I'll say, uh, so going to, let's say, our first business, which is Lucky Hair, which was a muse business that we were creating, uh, I, w- I was very fortunate enough to wor- be working for one of my friends a few months before at a startup. And it was really a job that I took because I was, I was desperate and my money was running out and I had to take a job. And I was working at a startup and that was the, the greatest opportunity that I got to be able to learn and be very close to the founder and the team because I was one of the earlier employees. And it was an e-commerce business to be able to learn about sourcing, to be able to learn about uh, tax, to be able to learn about import logistics, uh, third-party fulfillment, um, setup, all that stuff. And I was really curious and asked a lot of questions. And of course, I think uh, at the same time, to be a great employee as well, be very proactive uh, in those areas as well. I was doing customer service, social media, and anything really that I could in order to help out. And in that way, I was able to learn really fast. And I'll say in, a, in just a few months, I really had the knowledge that I was missing. You know, you can even read a book like The 4-Hour Workweek. It'll give you that mindset, but it won't really give you the tactics. Um, and so I was able to get the tactics there. So when we, when we then launched our first business, because the whole idea of, let's say, hair extensions came serendipitously to us because I was just looking for that idea. I think for a lot of entrepreneurs or people who want to be entrepreneurs when they start out, it's like, okay, I want to be in business or I want to create a business, but what is going to be that product? What is going to be that news? What is going to be that idea that to be able to help me to create this lifestyle or freedom or to create some sort of abundance in my life? And that can be a challenge. And I was just there, you know, just browsing Facebook and really wasting time in uh, actually my wife's uh, sister's room while my wife and her sister were chatting. And the reason it's an important story is that my wife came to her sister and they were just chatting. And my wife was, Mimi was complaining to her sister about how she, you know, we were about to get married and we're going to get, uh, and she wanted the hair extensions for the wedding. And she went to the mall and bought these hair extensions that were really bad. And she spent, you know, she dropped more than a hundred dollars or so, or a few hundred dollars. And, it was just a bad experience. And because hair extensions is kind of like lingerie, once you buy, you can't return it. Um, it, it was very disappointing because she just blew a lot of money. And I got curious. And I said, what are you complaining about? What is this? Because I honestly didn't even know what hair extensions were. And then she kind of told me about the product. And I said, why do you need hair? Like you already have <laughs> hair. Why do you need extra hair? Great questions um, that men ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And she's like, you don't understand. It's just like, it's just the way it makes you feel. And because it's our special day, I just want to feel, you know, have that extra oomph. And I'm like, okay, cool. So then she's like, I'm like, why don't you just go buy it? Like, is there somebody online that sells it? And she's like, not really. And she's like, I'm like, maybe in the U.S.? You know, because we're from Canada. And she's like, no, there's nobody really doing it in the U.S. Uh, there are a few companies. I think there's one or two that were doing it in the U.K. And she showed them to me to them. And then she showed me also some YouTube videos of these girls trying this product. And right away for me, as you go into that prototyping, prototyping, that idea clicked. I'm like, okay, this is the product. And then I went 
I think all great businesses are created out of frustration or out of a certain need that is not being served by businesses that are out there. So then I, I started asking Mimi about what would that perfect product look like? What would that be? And she said, you know, I want something that a lot of the, the current mo- products that exist on the market, let's say, were, weren't, weren't adequate to look real on women's hair. So it, a lot of hair is, well, it goes by weight and grabs. So let's say she would need almost double the weight that usually, let's say, uh, uh, somebody would sell in a mall or in a hair kiosk in a strip mall plaza. So she would need double the amount of hair. So like, okay, great. So we need more uh, hair there. And she would also talk about the distribution that she wanted. And then because I had that experience, and that's why I said that story about working for my friend where I was, I was kind of exposed to that idea of China and Alibaba uh, in those earlier days and how to source from there. We then went with these kind of prototype of what we wanted. And I would then just literally made a list of all the hair extension suppliers or manufacturers there were, contacted all of them and really uh, went with the, these are the characters we want. Can we record the sample? And I would say the most uh, educational experience was actually being uh, not trying to not trying to be smart. You know, a lot of people are afraid because like, hey, when I'm approaching a supplier, I don't want to sound stupid. Like, I don't know anything. Maybe they won't take me seriously. But I actually uh, did exactly that. I, I just acted like I know nothing. Please educate me. Um, and I asked all sorts of questions. And in those questions, I was able to learn a lot about the product, about the industry, and then would request the samples that we needed for to create the product that we wanted and a lot of them would even say like why do you need you know so much hair like usually the standard would be it'll say only 80 or 100 grams why are you requesting 160 or 180 we're like just don't worry this is what we need and with that that's what then came about uh we actually were one of the early companies to create this product and then the whole wave followed after us with uh, really customers demanding more of that hair, more of that, of that product. So that was really, I guess, the early prototyping stages of that product. And I remember those nights where, you know, we work on the packaging even, or I did the designs for, for the packaging myself. And uh, we would write little things and stories and take a picture of, of Mimi and her sister, which became also one of our co-founders. So that was like the whole process. It was really we didn't really have a lot of money, so I remember going to the camera store and buying a camera uh, and uh, let's say those you know setups, you know photo setups where you can take pictures of the product, and we take pictures of all all the hair and things like that. And at that time, everybody thought we were crazy because they're like, "How are you going to sell hair online? You know, people have to touch it, feel it." But we were really focused on staying with that idea. How do we create an experience that we ourselves would feel comfortable about from buying that others would feel as well? So we did our best. We were one of the first uh, companies online to, for example, to use a model for each color of hair and where other people would just, let's say, take a picture of, of just the shade that would, they would get from their manufacturer. So we, did, uh, we would then add videos. We were always trying to push the boundaries in regards to how can we make the customer, because it is the transaction being done online, how do we make them feel comfortable by making this purchase? And obviously, you guys, the the, the results are speaking for themselves and the growth that you've seen and, and what you've been able to build 
has it surprised you the success that you guys have had or is it this is kind of proof that the the frustration that um you have solved it was what spurred you to to make this happen and what you've solved it is real and it's it's a validator how, how do you feel about that kind of surprise versus yeah this is this is what we expected given our frustrations uh i'll say it was it was a really big surprise and what i mean by that i think to a lot of people like myself who don't really come from that idea of money you know i grew up uh, i'm a russian immigrant and uh, my family moved over they're not the you know there's rich type of immigrants from russia but i'm not those oligarchs or anything like that i'm the ones who are like uh, sell everything you have and move over and have like maybe if you're lucky enough have like 10 or twenty thousand dollars in cash and and start a new life without ever being there and not speaking a language that's what my that's the kind of the thing that the risk that my parents took that I'm really grateful for. And then, you know, my mom divorced my dad and she was a single mother working in factories, um, night shifts and things like that. So I really never had that idea of even money. So our goal when we created the business was to make literally $1,500 Canadian a month, each of us. I'm like, if Mimi and I can make $1,500 each, that would be 3000 Canadian. Like, hey, we can get by on that. We can live on that because we've we've we experienced living on that before. You know, working whether it be retail or uh, even uh, banking and retail as well, and still don't get paid that well. So we're like, we'll be fine by that as long as we have our freedom and we don't need to, you know, go to a job. We'll be happy. That's all we need. And uh, our you know our first year, we we did more than a million in revenue. Um, and that was a huge surprise to us because we, we definitely weren't ready. But at the same time, I remember it was, it was surprising because even though you're making so much money at the, at the beginning, especially to us, I remember Layla, Mimi's sister, who was a partner, she's like, okay, you're saying we're making all this money, but where's the money? Right? <laughs> and, I'll be, <laughs> and, and I'll be like, hey, Layla, like, we're experiencing growth right now. So literally, I just remember those days, all I was doing was just like reordering and placing bigger and bigger orders, uh, especially in, you know in the first uh, few years of, of the business as well. So I think I guess as a heads up to anybody as well who's starting is that how important it is uh, to fuel the business because it becomes a, uh, as you know it becomes a beast of its own yeah. and it's a separate it is in a way a separate entity and you need to feed it and if you don't feed it it will die. <laughs> so. So it was, it was very fascinating and interesting, but it definitely went way beyond what we ever expected. And even to this day now, uh, I'm, I'm very grateful and amazed for what we've been able to achieve. But it really, I think, opened up my eyes at the same time. And for anybody listening who's, I guess, aspiring to create their own business, all I can say is that the opportunity, there's so it's, there's truly a lot of opportunity out there. If you truly look at the population of the globe and, and the market demands and needs of certain markets, there's so much opportunity everywhere. Even if you're in Africa or, or in, in, in any other country in the world, even if you think about, if you put numbers in perspective, there's billions of people on this planet. So if you are able to even sell something for a dollar to a million people, well, you know, that's a million dollars. 
Or if you're able to sell something, even I'll say that's ten dollars to ten thousand people, that's you know certain thing is over. So it's always great to uh, put those numbers into perspective to be able to see that there's actually a lot of abundance. But I'm saying the reason I refer to my story of you know coming not from that uh, from more scarcity because you then realize wow actually there's so much wealth that exists, and I think one of the reasons why we also lived in London and live in a really great neighborhood here it really puts things in perspective just how much abundance is truly out there. Yep. And uh, especially while being in your in US as well, you know, it just there's truly so many opportunities in the world. It's just more about how do you go out and execute to be able to capture those opportunities that exist. So um, I, I love the optimism and it's something that if people follow you and or Mimi, they're going to get a daily dose of it. And, um, it's, it's, it's a big part of who you are and it's not just in, uh, what you guys do and have built in Loxie hair. It's, it's also an intelligent change with five minute journal and productivity planner, which as I said, I'm a daily user of talk. Let's go back for one sec. As you think about part of what's made you guys successful, um, you and Mimi live very forward and open lives online. And you guys both have um, pretty significant followings. Um, how do you think about that as a part of what you do, fueling what you do? How much joy do you get out of engaging that way versus the sometimes feeling like, okay, I, I have to post something because this is a part of how I engage with people. I'm always fascinated for those who have bigger followings uh, of which I do not, and I'm I'm fine with that. But how do you see that as a part of your life? Yeah, well, I'm definitely a, uh, one of your followers who follows your uh, plane stories, uh, view from plane windows, travel, yes, and, and your girl. <laughs> yeah, and your shots of the productivity planner and, and the five minute drill, which I really enjoy as well. So thank you so much, of course, for for spreading that out. Yeah, I would say it's really about for us. It's always been very natural. And it really comes from a place of, you know, the philosophy really goes like, do you have your windows open in your house or do you have your blinds down? It really, it's a, it's a very personal thing. And why I say that, Mimi and I are always the type of people where we like to keep our blinds open. We don't care who sees inside. And it's like that even if you go by our, like our house, you'll see we'll have all of our windows right there open, even though it may be on the street where people can see what we're doing. Uh, and it, it's just our philosophy. And because we really believe, I guess the same in the way we were raised, that the world is, 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 is uh, it, it can be especially a very friendly and welcoming place. I think for so much, the media and society portrays it to be like, it's, it's so bad, but in reality, if you really look, people are good. And I think at the same time, that's what we try to do by keeping our kind of windows open uh, through our social media and everything else to allow others to peek through our lives to be able to see that this is possible. And I think this is the great thing actually about that social media is opening up. A lot of people are saying that, hey, it makes people feel bad or whatever. But at the same time, I wouldn't be here if other people before even social media wouldn't be open to talking about their lives or how they live their lives or what they did to help them become and be where they are. 
you know, I, I believe at the same time, a lot of successful people who are happy, who are living great lives, um, I understand why they may they choose not to share certain things, but I feel because it, I, we truly giants and those, those giants for me, for example, were those people that really opened up their world to allow me to see, wow, that's possible. Cause I remember even, uh, for example, the first time I took a drive in a very nice neighborhood in my city of Toronto and it, the neighborhood's called Forest Hill and it's actually where Drake grew up. So he definitely doesn't come from the bottom. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I, I, I drove in this neighborhood. I remember with, with Mimi and it was the first time I saw like, you know, what you see in these movies, like American movies where it's like very lush trees and, uh, very amazing lawns and, there are also windows will be open and they'll have like dim lights and having visitors and coming from a, 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 you know, kind of poor background. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I guess maybe it's the way my mom raised me, but I never felt jealousy. In, instead I felt like, wow, this is possible. Like people actually live like this. And, and this is, it's so incredible that uh, if they can do it, I can do it kind of philosophy. And that's what we try to do as well is try to impart and share with others and, and through our messaging, whether it be our videos or through our captions and our pictures and things like that. We really, all we want to do through uh, the things that we share is not to tell people like, Hey, look, look at us, look how cool we are. Uh, but rather allow people to see that this is really possible. Whether it be the relationship I have with my wife or daughter or the lifestyle we've achieved, we really want to impart unto others that this is possible. And the same thing goes, uh, as you said, in regards to intelligent change and that company and how that those products were built. We just really want to create, you know, productivity planners is, is for example, is what I created because I myself was suffering from not being productive. So I started a, a little method in my own little moleskin, you know, of, of how do I put together Pomodoro's and the Ivy Lee method of, you know, putting most important tasks first and just limiting your tasks three to five tasks a day uh, into my notebook. And I, I was doing that. It was very effective. I'm like, okay, this is cool. It's helping me. But how do I uh, package this so that I myself will benefit because I have chicken scratch and I like when things are very aesthetic and put together nicely. And so that's way how, for example, the design of the productivity planner came about. And then having that ability, like, hey, this helps me, I'm going to put it out and to help other people as well. And same thing with the five-minute journal. You know, so much of our success is because, once again, I think, as you can tell from this interview, what we're saying is because of this mindset of abundance and this mindset of gratitude. Because unless you see the things that you have, even when you have nothing, you won't be able to move past that. So I remember the days when I literally, we had nothing, uh, but I would still, I trained myself to wake up. And the first thing that I would, I trained myself to, the first thing that I would do is to think of one thing that I was grateful for. And that was my little routine when literally I didn't have a lot of money. And I was still uh, living with my mom and had no girlfriend or anybody. And a lot of people would think I'm, you know, would call me a loser, but uh, what I was focusing on instead of what I didn't have was really focusing on what I did have. And what I did have then is like, I'm young, I'm healthy and I have energy to create. So why not use those tools that are at my disposal 
to be able to then uh, create and manifest the life that I want. It's absolutely extraordinary. I hope anybody listening to this uh, digested and takes into <laughs> takes into action and account at least ten percent of what you just said. That was awesome. Um, so let's talk for a second about um, the culture of Luxie Hair. Um, you guys have a team. Uh, it seems like you've got a, a pretty awesome team, and and it's a big part of what drives the success there. Um, particularly given the separation that you have physically, um, how do you define the culture, and then how do you defend it every day at Luxie Hair? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think for us, you know, even though we 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 aren't their present well when you from the beginning when we were, began this journey especially re i'll say rebuilding and creating the culture let's say here because for the first you know three plus years we kind of ran it more lifestyle and not as more remote not not understanding what the importance of culture and we're really i, I guess i'll give you the background of you know our business grew very quickly in the first three years and it was just magic uh, and we, and like I said, we were living the four work weeks. So we, yes, we were working hard in, in regards to creating content and, and things like that and doing some customer service, but most of it was very effortless because social media and the YouTube channel, because it was growing so quickly, was just feeding that business so effortlessly. And after a while though, what happened, like after year three, we kind of capped out at a certain number you know, revenue number. And then the business plateaued. And then I started kind of questioning, like, what is happening here? How come the business just plateaued? Well, the business plateaued is because we just keep doing the same thing and we kind of capped out at what really, at that point, social media could have brought in for us from our own effort. So you then have to start realizing, okay, what else can I do to create more growth into the business? And then I would really reevaluate this and I'll say have more conversations with, entrepreneurs like yourself. I was then part of, you know, entrepreneur organization, EO in Toronto, uh, which was a, you know, a great pro- program to be in where you actually now are around other entrepreneurs who have, you know, seven or eight figure businesses. And you then learn from them. And a lot of successful businesses, they would have these things like organization and structure. And most importantly, I would say what we understood is that everything stems and starts from leadership. Meaning, so if we're not there on the ground ourselves, we need to have a different leader on board to be able to be kind of that, uh, especially I guess being a parent now myself, there's a lot of parenting analogies, but truly as a leader, you're kind of a parent for your organization. You're you're that father or mother, whatever figure uh, that needs to oversee this kind of team uh, unit and so we knew right away, even though we had uh, just a few staff then, it was just uh, two staff, it was a customer service staff and just uh, one girl doing social media. Uh, we're like, we need to find this leader first. And we're very fortunate to find, you know, a young girl, woman, uh, Lulu, uh, who became our general manager. Uh, at first, she was just an operations assistant. But we kind of knew we wanted to build the team and culture around her. And because she actually came from our following, meaning, meaning she... Uh, was one of our followers, and she really admired what we did. She was already a great culture fit in regards to what we're about, in regards to our values. And because we, we for 
two years before finding her, we really struggled finding a leader because a lot of the people who may be even more experienced, they didn't have those same culture and values that we had. So we had, we felt that by uh, getting somebody younger and being able to mold them and then being more open to this idea, we'd be able to, to we'd be able to build the culture that we want. Um, so that's what exactly what we did now, you know, uh, with, since ever having Lulu join on board and becoming kind of that parent, uh, for the company as being as the general manager of the business, uh, we've done a really great job by, of course, uh, working with her directly and mentoring her to become a, a great leader for the company. And, you know, a, a lot of people uh, really appreciate those things that we put in place. And that really stems from, I guess, how did that all come about from other leadership, even from our leadership? It's really about that idea of, I want to create a workplace that I myself want to be part of. So to be honest with you, even though we're here in London, I'm really, really jealous of Lulu and the rest of the team there in Toronto. I think they have lots of fun. And uh, most importantly, it's, it's a great, we want to design everything, even uh, from the workplace, that it's a place that we ourselves would be excited to go to, even though we, the luxuries that we have in life, this would be a place that I want to be part of. And that stems from everything, you know, um, it's really be able to be able to give them what you would want. Uh, you know, they sit on the same office chairs that I would sit on, or they use the same desk or computer or have the same snacks that I do. Even for example, uh, providing organic food to them. I remember, uh, uh, us sitting early and we're like, are these like, and, uh, are, like, are these fruits not organic? Cause somebody was buying, like, no, they're not like, no, it's like, if, if we're here, it would be organic. So you guys got to eat organic. So if a lot of, it, it may seem like a small thing, but for a lot of people, they may not feel like they deserve to buy organic at home, but here they come to work and they can have these things like organic fruit and vegetables or, you know, cater lunches sometimes or going out to restaurants or, uh, you know, being able to drink kombucha <laughs> or whatever. So it's yep. like, some little things that I don't think, I, don't, I really don't think culture is defined by, by those things. But I think what I'm trying to say, how we define really culture is really that ability, a place where you yourself would want to be part of, because I think a lot of uh, people and as leaders, they shortchange what they uh, really spend on their staff. Um, and it really stems from that idea of even what's the workplace they work out of. I always remember uh, there's this funny episode in, in um, I forget that Silicon Valley show uh, when <laughs> they're looking for offices and uh, uh, the, the, I guess the founder is like, I found this perfect space. I don't know if you remember this episode, but it was literally just like a, a server closet with fluorescent light and no windows. <laughs> and... and, and <laughs> And he's like, this is going to be crazy. And uh, all the employees are like, what are you, crazy? So what I mean by is like taking that extra step to think about people's well-being, uh, how they would feel at work, that why they would want to come to work. Because it's not just about a paycheck. Um, it's more we, what we understood uh, most importantly for ourselves. It's that idea of this is really a small community that you're building. And you want to build a community where people will make friends, where they'll hang out after work where they're excited to be part of it. And especially they're excited to be part of what you're creating as well. So that's my long winded 
answer to, I guess, our idea of what we try to do when we think about creating culture at work. No, it's, that's fantastic. And as you said, it's not, it's not the tokens or the specific rituals or the specific things that define the culture. It's, it's, it's all of it and how you guys, um, operate day in and day out. And, and it's a reaffirmation of what you said earlier. It's not about, it's not about not working. In fact, you miss a lot of the, um, the, the components and elements of being there right now, the way that you guys have structured your life, you're obviously taking advantage of the way that, um, you can live and, and grow, uh, in your experience in London, but there is, there is something wonderful about being part of a team in, in person for sure. And, and just, I guess just to add on to that, that is, I guess, towards the future from also having this experience. And I think as you grow, you also learn what is it that you like or you don't like. I'm saying even as, as a person and, and for especially myself, I'm really looking forward, actually. Uh, and that's what I'm thinking about now is I'm excited to be able to create again, meaning build a team. Um, and be part of it and to, to actually help grow um, that business, whether it be from scratch or to the beginning. So I think that it's a very exciting process. And I think a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, forget about that. That is, the, that is truly that journey that is the most fulfilling and not that exit. I was literally, I, th- I believe, uh, yesterday speaking to one of, our, one of my friends, and he just sold his business for like $100 plus million dollars. And he was saying, he's like, he's like, Alex, nothing really changes. <laughs> you know, like I'm still the same dude. And uh, to be honest with you, that uh, journey is what it's all about. Um, it's not really this prize. And so it's very important not to miss out. And I think it's the same thing would be, that's why I'm saying those parenting analogies, I guess, uh, being an early parent, it's important not to miss out. It's not about them getting married or going to college, uh, but those moments when they're growing up and to be part of those moments as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thinking about those early days, as you said, you were, you found a way to be grateful, um, even when you didn't have per most people's definition, a whole lot, um, in those early days of the businesses that you've started and built, how long did you go, uh, without really paying yourself anything at all, or just barely getting by, um, uh, to how long was that until you started to feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, this is okay. I'm actually doing all right here. Not that you're necessarily raking it in and, um, uh, just going nuts, but you're starting to have a semblance of security and feeling like there's, there's a future here. Yeah. I would say, you know, uh, we were very fortunate because we became profitable because the startup costs very low for us. And overall, I, I guess the, the tools that are your disposal with the internet, uh, and we, because we were very bootstrapped and, and our, our, like I said, our revenue goals weren't that high. We were able to be very profitable from very early beginning. So we began to pay ourselves, uh, you know, fairly well, I would say and we would pay ourselves probably like $3,000 a month Canadian, um, after about, a few months. And I think for any entrepreneur, that's, that's luxury, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. And so, yeah, so we, we probably did that for, uh, I'll say the first year or so. And then, especially as, as the business really grew out and, uh, of our setup, we were able to, 
I guess, treat ourselves to a certain degree. Um, however, I'll say, as with, I remember for me, it was really, I had to have a, I had certain idea what I believed was important to have, let's say, my bank account. And I, and, and I remember achieving that. And it took about, you know, probably three years. And it's a big milestone. And then real, yeah, a big milestone, you know. And, but you then still realize, I think what I do now is that, I guess when you don't come from money, it may be important to reach that milestone. Um, to, for you to realize that in, in reality, it's not, it's not this actual funds that will make a difference, but what what is going to make a difference in your life is the purpose that you have, uh, whether that is connected through your business and what you do or some other avenues that you, you can do in your life. But the most important factor is what is your why? What is your purpose? Uh, what are you doing this all for? Uh, because money by itself, will definitely not solve your problem. Because I think when the reason I share my story of not having, cause I really thought that, uh, I was, we were sold on this idea that once you get money, it will really solve your problems, but it won't. Uh, the only problem, the only person or thing that will solve your problems is yourself. Yep. So that's why you have to focus on and understand that you won't run away from your, problems or worries or anxieties, if anything, they're just going to magnify once you start having money yep. uh, and, and that freedom. So you might as well get, start working on those uh, now. <laughs> so that's what I would say overall, I guess, my, my, my biggest learnings in regards to um, just achieving uh, those certain milestones. But of course, very grateful to have uh, reached those and uh, realize these lessons. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I don't, I've, I've heard variations of this, but it's that money just exacerbates everything. And that could be if things are, if you're really well grounded and, and you've got the right set of values and, and you're making the right decisions, then that can make that even better. Uh, but if you're off, off kilter a little bit, if your priorities are off, it's going to make them off in a huge way. So couldn't, couldn't agree more with that. As you think about, um, as you think about the journey that you've been on, uh, clearly you are going to be listed as someone who inspires many people, myself included. Who most inspired you along this journey to to do so? And and that could be someone that you know personally, and that could be someone that you know who is uh, you know a famous person. I think we've talked, you and I have talked quite a bit about the impact that Tim Ferriss has had on us. Is there one person that you feel like most inspired you? Uh, definitely. I would say, uh, Richard Branson. And the reason I think he's a lot, of, he's that person for a lot of entrepreneurs, but having had, I guess, you know, the, the, the fortunate opportunity to be able to spend time, uh, w- w- you know, with him, he, um, even a few weeks ago, I was on a hike actually with, uh, Sam Branson and, and part of Virgin Strive and Richard was there as well. Cause he's doing the whole, um, kind of core team experience for this charity that Sam has suddenly created. And I've also met him before at Necker Island. I was fortunate enough to also be there a few times. And a lot of people, um, whether it be in, in that public eye, you're like, 
you they have a certain persona that you meet them and they're not that person. They're not who they really rep- represent themselves to be. And and I think as, as people, we, we do that. We put a lot of people on pedestals um, and they, they, they kind of don't always meet it. And that's kind of our own thing. But I'll say if there's one person who's like legit as <laughs> who they are in the public as who they are in real life, that is Richard Branson. Yeah. And so the thing that really is inspiring about him as, as a person is number one is I think as an entrepreneur, he's been able to create um, a lot of impact and a lot of businesses in general. So uh, talking to that idea that I was talking about earlier about being able to trust other people and delegate is that's the number one thing he lives on, you know, is to be able to trust other people. And when you meet him, you realize he's actually a very simple guy. He, uh, you know, because <laughs> even last time I was hiking, I was asking him, I was like, I'm like, Richard, He's uh, similar to how those podcasts, you know, it's like, can you take me to like early days of like when you're just starting Virgin? Uh, what was that like? What those like key people you hired? Um, what decisions did you make? And he just, he, and I asked him this, uh, this question on several occasions and he, he tells me the same answer and he's really very intuition led. So I mean, he's like, you know, it was just happening and I just, things were were growing and I just had to, there were some people around and I just kind of hired them and people came into my life and I believe we're doing good. So it's very simplistic, but if you actually uh, see him in person, that is how he lives his life. And he is really, yeah, he's really most importantly drawn by what he wants to experience and see in this world. And that is everything from Virgin Atlantic to Virgin Galactic. You know, it's, it's just, he's just using his, uh, uh, I guess, own things of what he wants to do in this world and how he wants to do it. And most importantly, why he's inspiring, because having, you know, also known his family uh, in a rush, just uh, come, uh, meeting them, is that they're really grounded yeah. um, and uh, very nice people. And I think that's for somebody who's a billionaire and very successful to, for all of them, for Richard, for all this whole family to be so grounded and to so nice. You, you just realize like, whoa, like they inspire me to be like nicer and more grounded, <laughs> you know, and I'm not even at, like even close to, the, to their level. So I think there's, there's definitely one person who, uh, who's doing really well in regards to just leaving a legacy behind and at the same time, being open and inspiring so many other entrepreneurs uh, to be able to take that journey as well. I, he, I, I have not had the privilege of meeting him. Um, hopefully one day will, but, uh, love hearing that, <laughs> that perspective and that someone who is that extraordinary is that accessible as, as you described. That's really cool. Um, when you think about the challenges of business that spans multiple countries, growing a family, managing kind of this new level of success and what comes next, how do you stay sane? Um, I would say definitely your family, um, and the people closest to you. I'm really grateful for Mimi, you know, who's my wife and business partner, asshole partner in every way. Um, so I think having that person, uh, who will tell you how it is, no matter 
what, who you are and what it is, is very important. And we do that for each other. You know, we really keep each other in check. Um, so yeah, have, whether it be your, your partner or your friends, but uh, keep people in your life who can keep you grounded and yeah, keep you in check. <laughs> That's a perfect answer. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to ask you this because you're one of these people who lives, uh, lives your kind of values and the excitement more so than almost anybody I know in terms of the principles of four hour work week. Um, but you still do check in and plug in and you've, you've found that balance of, it's not that you don't want to work. You just want that freedom to choose how you work. Um, if you could go away for a month, um, and again, I know this is a slightly different question for you than a lot of people. Where would you go? What would you do? What would it look like to be gone for a full month if the businesses were fully on autopilot and you were not engaged with them? Uh, from places that I've been or haven't been to? Up to you. You've got a month, uh, whatever time of year, wherever you want to go, however you want to do it. What does that look like for you? <sighs> that's, a, that's a tough one. Um, I think... Uh, for the past two years, we spent our uh, at least a month or two in Cape Town and South Africa. Yep. And um, like, I'll say, it's it's a very special place. And uh, a lot of people who know me, I, I speak very fondly of, of Cape Town, South Africa. But it's it's really about I think, I think best things are when you when you don't have high expectations. And the reality is totally different. And Cape Town was definitely one of those places where my expectations was very low from everything that I've read in regards to news about crime and murder and all that other stuff that media will scare you on. Right. And it does exist. You know, that reality certainly does exist there. However, uh, there are certain bubbles in Cape Town, which you're like, this place is incredible. And I, the people are very kind. Um, the nature is just stunning and beautiful and most importantly, it's still very developed, you know, and I really love that place. It's truly it has so much to offer within a uh, vicinity of, you know, 15 to 30 minutes. You're in the most beautiful landscapes. Um, and there's, there are even penguins there. Uh, <laughs> so they're the most beautiful hikes. Uh, great food and super affordable. And the best part is when most of the Northern hemisphere world, um, there's, you know, winter and the dark, especially here in London, you go to a place where it's summer and it's, uh, you know, sunrise and at 7 AM and sunset at 8 PM. And it's beautiful. And there's, you know, beautiful beaches. And even just remembering the last winter, just uh, being able to be on a beach with my wife and, and our daughter is just, it's just special. So I would definitely recommend um, Cape Town to anybody who's, I guess, wanting to experience something. And I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to be able to experience other things. I think it's a gateway to Africa. I want to experience more of Africa. I think it's a beautiful place with um, beautiful people. Wonderful. A resounding endorsement for the Tourism Bureau of South Africa. Uh, <laughs> Um, I know given your personality and, um, how we've discussed this in the past, this isn't how you view the world, but I think it's healthy to, to have the discussion. What do you think your biggest sacrifice has been in starting a business 
despite all of the positives that come from it and that you wouldn't choose any other way, there are sacrifices. What would you think, uh, how would you describe your biggest sacrifice? Um, when it comes to starting, I think you will, you will have to go against a lot of people who are close to you in your life um, who will say things to you um, that will make you doubt your success. So the sacrifices that you will have to make as an entrepreneur sometimes is to turn them off. Meaning, uh, sometimes you will have to avoid those relationships in your life and understand at the same time, those people, maybe if they're saying it's not, they're actually saying those things like, Hey, you're crazy. What are you thinking? What are you doing? Uh, you know, you could have had a nice safe job at the bank, go to school. Um, but they're doing it out of love. And at the same time, many people are around you who are close to you are they're doing out of love and they're trying to protect you. But at the same time, they're trying to protect themselves because if you actually succeed, you will also uh, force them to face their own things that they're stopping from doing themselves in their own lives. I hadn't thought about it that way before. That's a really unique way to, to frame up some of those challenges that challenging conversations that you can have with people in your life. That's exactly. And it can be, like I said, both family and friends. Yeah. And so the the, the biggest sacrifice that you may potentially make, and I think which, which might be a very important one for a lot of people is that I remember I was really excited about this business idea. And then I started talking about it to my friends and the overwhelming response is like, you're stupid. And what are you doing? Like hair extensions online? Like really? Um, so as soon as I was starting getting into those reactions, I understood that it, I have to protect myself. Um, and to really, if I really believe in this, I have to in a way go in my cocoon and ignore and go into my world and, and just create. And that is exactly what we did with my wife and I. And me. We just kind of, you know, didn't really go out, didn't socialize too much, and we're just really focused on making this life in our in reality. And I'm sure a lot of people. And it's not like you'll 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 shut them down forever. You can reemerge, yep. right? And with the, with the friendships, but there will be a, there might be a a, a sacrifice uh, in that where you will have to uh, sacrifice some of those relationships. Yeah. Um, and like you said, even if sometimes in those moments it can come as when you have to go a little hard, but it is in, in my experience, the, the moment where you have to go the most hard is at the beginning. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that's going to be the, that's the fundamentals. That's really your foundation. And that will really make or break um, your future. Yeah, I was uh, I was recording with Alex Faraday, the founder of Faraday, with his his twin brother, um, and I asked him this question, and he said it was for him, it was his friends, um, in giving up time with his friends, and it, it is tough. Uh, I don't know if I I haven't I haven't actually answered this question for myself, but um, it it has been tough. I don't see my friends hardly uh, a fraction of what I used to, and part of that is the business and travel that comes with it, and part of it is your priorities change as you have kids and get a little older that, you know, if I have some free time, I, I want to be with my son. I want to be with my wife. And, um, that said, exactly, I've, yeah. I've definitely missed out on, on quite a few things with friends. And, 
Um, there's a, uh, my, my mom likes to say there's a season for everything in life. And this season right now is not, not big on friends. And, and hopefully those, those of them that are my, are my great friends and true friends, um, continue to understand and we'll have that time together again down the road. So, um, back to, back to business for a second. Um, is there a moment that you felt like things really started to take off with Luxie hair? It, was there a tipping point? Was there a, you know, whether there's a press hit or a customer or something where it's like, man, this is really happening now. <laughs> I'll say my, maybe it's a little different. That's why I'm laughing. Um, for me, honestly, it was the first sales we made. Yeah. That's really, it was, that's funny. That's a good perspective. <laughs> because uh, before that, it's all an idea. And when you're actually able to put whatever you created or product or experience into the world. And I remember this experience so clearly. We actually just received our inventory part of it into our, like my house. Uh, and one of uh, Mimi's friends found out that we're starting this hair extension business. And she said, Oh, you guys are going to do hair extensions. Great. Like I should need them right now. I'll come and pick it up. And I remember we, so she was like, Hey, I need these hair extensions. We literally just got this package. We didn't even open the box to even see what we got. It was just like a shot in the dark, ordering some from, something from China. We haven't even been there. We we're like, you know, we we're hoping it's going to be the right thing. And I remember her literally coming in, us opening in the box, her taking out the product, and she's more experienced uh, hair extension wearer taking it out, looking at it, and she's like, oh, these are great, and giving us, like, cash, and then stepping out. <laughs> so that moment was, like, real, you know? It's, a, it's, it's, it's a surreal I'm, I'm thing. Yeah. It's a surreal thing. When someone gives you <laughs> their money for your product, it's pretty, pretty darn awesome. <laughs> and I think, you know, in a way, I'm getting kind of emotional over this, just remembering this, but it is that idea of, you know, that you created something and somebody else. And that's what I always see. I guess to leave somebody off with another thing is that what, you know, my biggest lesson in business so far, um, you know, I struggled, you know, I, I guess one of the things you can talk about before we created Luxie Hair, it's not like that was our first business. We, we started other businesses in the past that, were, that didn't succeed. I think one of the reasons why they didn't succeed is because we're focusing on strictly making money for ourselves. But to be successful in business, you have to realize that in order for you to be successful, you have to make other people successful. You have to actually bring value into other people's lives because all money is and dollars is just an exchange of value. So if somebody is giving you money, they're just saying, Hey, this gives me value into my life. So here's some cash. It's just an exchange. So as a business, you always, especially now for, for ourselves, we're always focusing on how do we create and deliver better experience or value for the customer? Because that's the most important thing. It, it's not, nobody cares about you and your business, but you have to look out for other people's interests. And the moment you start looking after other people's interests, instead of your own, that is actually when you start uh, scaling and growing your business. Yeah, it's funny how that happens. Um, so where do you see, 
where do you see your business and where do you see your career? Let's separate that from your life because I know you and I've talked to you, you're not sure where you're going to live down the road, but where do you see your business and career 10 years from now? Um, I'll say I really, you know, so far the most, I guess, amazing thing has really been be able to make that positive impact into other people's lives. And we do it as well with hair extensions. It's great. However, the impact that we're able to create with products like the five minute journal or productivity planner, to me, that makes me really happy. And especially knowing that I remember those days designing and creating those products. Um, you know, so I want to do more of that. I want to be able to create, more of these experiences and, and magnify that. So in my next decade, it is really more, how do I create more um, for others in order to help them really live and magnify their lives? And I just, I think it is very fulfilling uh, being able to be creating tools for others to create positive changes in their lives. And it can be in other various ways but I just want to be able to magnify that experience. So I do have a big vision for what is the possibility of, let's say intelligent change or other companies that we may create that will create this. Cause I really believe more and more people are really in need of certain tools to help guide them because we're really entering an our in a whole different era of life and a lot of previous tools like education, things like that, haven't fully prepared people to be able to fully magnify um, the opportunities that exist and allow them to really excel in their lives. So I want to do more of that. Amazing. Um, I think that's a, that's a good extension and it, it might flow into this of, if you could go back and tell yourself one thing at the beginning of this journey, and, and it could be specifically Luxie Hair, or it could be your journey of, of starting companies, because as you said, you've, you've tried before, some have worked and some haven't. What would you tell yourself? What, what one thing would you say to yourself back at the beginning of either it all or this specific journey? Yeah, I'll say the same thing. Uh, same thing like I just uh, previously said in regards to focus on creating value for other people. Yeah. Uh, I think that's been really the, the, the biggest uh, game changer in terms of mindset. The moment you stop thinking about yourself and stop thinking about other people. And that goes the same thing about your employees or customers. Uh, that's really when you win because when you take care of your customers and when you take care of your employees, you get taken care of. <laughs> yep. Again, funny how that works. Um, how about, <laughs> how about your single biggest regret? And I think this could again be extension of, of this ongoing thread, uh, uh, over your, your entrepreneurial journey or this specific journey, what's been your biggest single regret? In, uh, in all honesty, you know, and this will play out, uh, it's still early stages, but pick your partners wisely. You know, uh, who, who you start businesses with, who you co-found stuff with, it can, and, and really do your paperwork. Don't, uh, jump into being all excited before doing your paperwork properly. 
I love one of those is supremely philosophical. And one of them is like the most deeply <laughs> tactical thing that you could say. Um, and, and I'll, I'll add to that. Don't register your business LLC or C corp or whatever those things are. Don't register it with your personal cell phone or your personal email use burners because it is, I had to give up my phone number and email address a couple of years ago. Cause I just got a drowning. I was drowning in spam calls and solicitations. And, um, that's part of why I, um, don't give out my email and don't give it. I've, I've got several phone numbers that I've used and it's, it's made my life a little bit more peaceful. So what is that? What is the service called again? Burner? Yeah. So I use, I have multiple Google voice numbers. And so, um, you ha- you know, some things you have to put a cell phone down for or a business phone. And as our business, we just have a 1-800 number, uh, which is our customer service. And so, uh, when I have to put a phone number down, um, I, I say burner as in terminology from, you know, a burner cell phone. I just use oh. like a burner number where if I delete the number, I don't, have, I, I yeah. will never care. Um, but LLC yeah. filings and those types of things are public by their very nature. And so it's, people have determined that's a great way to just, you know, spam thousands and hope that you get one or two responses. And, um, it's, it's very frustrating, but I gave them up and now I've got was, some more peace in my life. No, I think that, that, that's a great, uh, tip and takeaway I will take from this po- podcast as well. So thank you so much. Yeah. Then. I wish that I had done that differently, but, um, <laughs> moving on what brings you the most joy every day uh, i'll say for sure spending you know time with my wife uh, and daughter but just i think just waking up in the morning is one of the biggest joys in life uh if you simply even put it down to that i think um the most things that we can be you know we take for granted is that ability to wake up in the morning and live another day yep it's, uh, it's the part of the memento mori coin from Ryan Holiday is you could leave life right now. Uh, and, and the more you remember yeah. that, the, the, less, the less annoying things seem to bother you. And um, the more every moment that is even remotely good is, is truly wonderful. Um, how, about, uh, how, about, how about some fun here? What is your most embarrassing professional moment? I have to actually think about that. Um, embarrassing professional moment. I don't, it's not that I'm trying to save myself, but I think having the mindset, I really don't find anything that I, that I do embarrassing. I think you can, you know, you can look at like one of the things that I shared about when I first was, starting and reaching out to all these manufacturers and asking very silly, dumb questions <laughs> yes, that yes. might've been, uh, sound very, it made me very embarrassed for uh, my, like, yeah. even I was some people say stupidity, but I, I really didn't, uh, look at it like that. And I think same thing with, uh, I think you, you succeed so much faster when um you don't look at like anything that you do is like there are, like there are no stupid questions <laughs> or uh you know you kind of have to uh, just proceed so um i would just have to really say i'm sure there's many embarrassing things that i've done uh like those even earlier days um however i never look at those like they're embarrassing because they just yeah they just make me learn and yep. i think being a student 
of life and business is really what allowed me to be here. So uh, I'm really grateful for all those moments. <laughs> that's, I, I wasn't surprised by that answer, but that's, I, I think, as you said, maybe the, the more direct thing is like asking ridiculously ignorant questions, but um, while that's not necessarily embarrassing, <laughs> yeah. it is, it's somewhat professionally embarrassing, but you don't let yourself be held back by it. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the question next in the list of questions is, do you expect to be doing this for your whole life? I think knowing, knowing how you operate, um, the answer is yes. Um, in some capacity doing this for your whole life. Um, do you expect to be doing luxy hair? Do you expect that to continue for your whole life? Um, and some extension of intelligent change? Yeah, I think, you know, luxury hair is definitely a business that we're open to selling. Uh, that's not, you know, I'm open to that. I'm not attached to that business as much, but when it comes to intelligent change, like I think, like I said before, in that vision for the next decade, whether it is intelligent change or some other company, I think the most important part is I really feel deeply connected with that idea of being able to create tools for other people. So if there's any ways I can continue doing that um, in any capacity, I'd really appreciate it. But I think most importantly, um, how I would phrase in everything that we do, whether it be this business or we have multiple businesses that we sell or buy or whatever, is um, what both Mimi and I uh, are really passionate about is being able to create experiences for people. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you open your productivity planner or even your five minute journal, your luxury hair, and you use that product, that is an experience. And that is why I love so much actually physical good businesses. Uh, because I love that idea of the, of having it, creating and being part of people's everyday life. So even one of these for you is, you know, in regards to people, let's say wearing your, the dress shirts you've created to interviews or special events. You know, uh, I remember, I think you just shared, you know, Michael Phelps wearing some of his main and things like that. I, I, I think having those experiences, those are part of people's lives. And I think being able to create stuff for people's lives and experiences in every day uh, is just very special. So I want to be able to keep doing that, keep creating that. And I'm also very grateful for all other creators and entrepreneurs like yourself or even this, you know, people who, who make chairs and desks and buses and cars and windows or air conditioning. Those are all experiences. So I, I'm just really, I think that's the, the beauty of entrepreneurship is it's what we really get to make. We get to create experiences for other people. And we, we when we look at it like that way, uh, we really want to do our best. I, it's extraordinary to hear. And, and I think it's a demonstration of why you guys have attracted the, the interest in following in the lives that you lead and in the businesses that you're building. And, and it, I, I think you've probably addressed it, but the podcast is called Founders 15. So I, I have to ask all 15 questions. How do you want to be, <laughs> how do you want to be remembered? As really, I guess, a, a student, you know, like, I think going back to your, your question of embarrassing moments, uh, being remembered as, as somebody who is a student of life and learning. I think, you know, I was speaking to somebody yesterday that, I think once we accept that we're not perfect and it's not the idea of this life is not to be perfect, but the reason you're here on this planet is because it's to learn is to be able to become 
uh, more full as a person. And if you take that throughout your, I see it throughout your whole life as a way to just keep learning and be a student and never thinking like you are perfect or uh, you are uh, good. And it may be contradictory to some, but to me, that's actually very positive yeah. and motivating because it allows me to not be afraid of failure. It allows me to not try to think like on that, all that or whatever. Um, and it allows me just to be really normal and be a student <laughs> of life because that's the, really the greatest teacher that we have. Yeah. That's a, uh, a really healthy way to think about um, never stopping, basically. There's always opportunities for more. Um, and that is something that you guys embody in everything you do. So thank you for sharing that perspective. It's really great. Um, so before we get to the very important rapid fire, uh, let's talk, uh, let's talk brass tacks for a second on how can people get, um, the five minute journal and productivity planner. And for those interested in Luxie hair, um, which, uh, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not your customer, but for those interested in Luxie hair, um, how can they find and buy those products? Yeah, of course. So, uh, whether the five minute journal or productivity planner, you can find it on our website, intelligentchange.com, or you can, uh, you know, the easiest way to get it is just go on Amazon prime, order it, get it whenever it's today, tomorrow. Uh, and with Luxie hair, same thing. You can just go to luxiehair.com and whether it be for your wife or your girlfriend or for yourself, uh, if you're a woman, um, it, it is a really great fun product. The way we even see that business is, uh, and I think why we've been successful at it because we just look at it as a fun accessory for women. So it's just a really fun, great, fun way that women can experience uh, longer fully air. So that's how you can find this product. And how about if people want to follow you and your wife online, what's the best way to do so or give a shout out to say hello directly? Yeah, definitely. So you can find us. I think the best way is definitely Instagram. It's where we're most active. So it'd be Instagram.com forward slash at Alex Icon. So Alex and then my last name is I K O N N. Same with my wife, M I M I, Mimi Icon, I K O N N N. My wife is more active. Uh, so definitely follow her. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm doing my best to keep up, uh, keep up with her, but she's a professional. And um, so, yeah. And then you can also find us, I think, on I, I, a really great place is on YouTube uh, and really go into that archive. So, same thing, just search our names. And you can dive deeper into other videos we made. I think the cool thing about YouTube is that you can go way back. You, you know, you can find my videos from eight years ago when I was just starting the business um, and see that, what I was talking about, thinking about, or what we're doing five years ago. So it's really cool. It's great. Very good. And um, as, as I've said before, and, and for those few followers who follow me, um, productivity planner is a big part of my day and, um, five minute journal was a huge, it made a huge impact on my life personally. So, uh, again, thank you for taking the time to share a little bit more about your story. It's been great to get to know you over the last couple months. And, uh, with that, let's get to the incredibly important rapid fire question. So again, context, just the first thing that comes to mind, uh, however you want to answer it. Uh, it's super fun to hear the variety of answers here. So how many hours of sleep do you typically get a night? Uh, now that uh, our daughter is older, yes. probably about six and a half to seven. 
what would you use the gene editing technology CRISPR for on yourself? I didn't know that exists. Uh, what does it do? Like, so what's the possibility? You, you can edit your own DNA um, to do a variety of things. You can't make yourself fly and you can't grow to 15 feet tall, but um, there are whatever's in your genes, you can edit it. So what one thing would you do? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm really happy with, with everything, but maybe... Uh, I really, uh, you, you uh, stopped me in my track. Um, I, I guess maybe in my uh, family history, there is some stuff with cancer. So if I can edit that out, yeah. that'd be great. Yeah, it's pretty good. From what I've heard about CRISPR, uh, if it if it's even close to as um, successful as possible, I was listening to the. Uh, founding director of Singularity University, and he was saying that within a decade, it will be possible to um, say goodbye to all cancer. Um, that it, it's just because oh, of wow. the way that cancer works, it will be possible to get rid of effectively all cancer, which is, uh, it, it, you can't even, we can't even comprehend what that means. Um, so rapid fire moving on. Um, what is your favorite fiction and nonfiction book? Ooh, um, okay. All right, nonfiction. I'll say Sapiens uh, by Yuval Noah Harari. Yep. And fiction would be uh, Shantaram. Uh, yeah. Nice. So. <laughs> I won't get into why. It'll be too long, but yeah. It's just a track fire. <laughs> uh, what is your daily music playlist? Ooh, uh, uh, very various, uh, but I'll say uh, I like uh, R&B, so some R&B. <laughs> what is your wake up and wind down drink of choice? Um, wake up is just water, lots of water, and wind down would be some tea. So it would be a ginger lemon tea or some regular tea, but some herbal tea in the evening. What would your last meal be? I'll say just really good sushi. <laughs> like go. Really good sushi. What is your biggest pet peeve? Uh, thinking you know it all. What is your favorite podcast? That's also uh, cool. I, I'll say yours, but I just start listening. Um, <laughs> Perfect. So, <laughs> yeah, but I would say uh, for other people as well, what's that? You know, it'll be interesting. This is going to be a, 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 a very different one. Oh, actually, how I built this for yeah, sure. It's great. Why NPR? Uh, what percent of your monthly budget uh, at home is Amazon? Oh, massive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like this <laughs> is big. Significant. Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what TV show could you watch over and over again? Uh, Chef Table. Interesting. I haven't I haven't gotten that one in this yet. Uh, what is your favorite article of clothing? Dress shirt. <laughs> Good answer. There you go, Miss May. Good answer. Um, <laughs> no, but, but honestly, it is. Yeah. Do you? And my wife always jokes, or and my friends, uh, that you can't find me without a dress shirt. So. <laughs> Perfect. Um, do you love or hate cardio? Uh, yeah, I love it. It's active. Would you rather fight off one hundred duck-sized horses or one? horse-sized duck uh one horse-sized duck i think we're trending in that direction uh, across all of the the episodes i've recorded <laughs> so far that's more more of what i'm hearing um what is your 
absolute favorite destination to travel to? I think you said South Africa earlier, but um, if you one place go over and over again. Yeah, you said uh, Cape Town was for a month, but overall, and anybody who follows us would know this, it's Positano, Italy, and then Lossy Coast. Hands down, number one for us. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Um, and last but not least, what is the best gift that you've ever received? Oh, my daughter, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a wonderful, wonderful answer as well. Well, Alex, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, it's great to do this uh, formally and officially. I know our conversations will continue, but uh, part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is to kind of memorialize some of this and share some of the insights that, that we get to have as, as founder to founder conversations. And hopefully people, I know I got a lot out of this myself. Um, hopefully others do as well. Thanks again for the time. Yeah, thank you so much, Kevin. And thank you for everybody listening. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Kevin S. Lavelle, and you can also go to founders15.com for show notes and other episodes. Thank you. Thank you.